Welcome to Building Worldviews, the Praxis Circle podcast where we talk with experts while you build your worldview. I'm May Lily Lee. These podcasts originate from video interviews you can find on our website, praxiscircle.com. Become a member by registering at the site and subscribe or follow this podcast for more information on our latest episodes. Today, we present the third and final part of our conversation with writer Mary Eberstadt of the Faith and Reason Institute. On today's episode, Mary discusses the future of the Catholic Church and her work with the Catholic Information Center in Washington. She also talks about religious wars and her vision of the United States now and in the years to come. He's definitely famous for that. Do you, do you find yourself in the in the at the Catholic Information Center or um, you know I'll give you an example uh, this free speech thing that I was telling you about that uh, seems to be a movement we'll see where it goes there's an organization called Fire and, uh, it's it's uh, individual rights it's a freedom mm-hmm. and individual rights organization they they actually litigate they will they will take on a case but my point is that they've assembled about 10 different arguments that those against free speech make. You know, uh, it, you, you, would have, you would know all of these phrases. Uh, and they actually give you the bullet points to combat, you know, to, to respond with. Uh, so what I'm saying is there's actual training going on. So when you go back into the public square and you want to you know, support the First Amendment uh, actively, you're going to need to be able to actually respond to people's arguments that typically they make. Like, let's say, if, if, uh, if you don't think you're a racist, you're a racist. Okay, well, how do you respond to something like that? And they'll have 10 of these things. Do you, do you find yourself ever in, in the Catholic Information Center having to actually train some of some of your young people to go out into the public square. Do you have to help them learn how to think through this? It's not a self-conscious effort, but at the Catholic Information Center, at the Faith and Reason Institute, at other places I could name, I do think part of the responsibility of the people in charge is to provide examples of arguments to give rhetorical ammunition to people who have no idea. For example, we could have arguments that have nothing to do with philosophy and theology. One can argue against abortion on demand, for example, without ever invoking the Bible. And it's good to know that we have that kind of ammunition too. And so that's part of what we do try to provide. I think we've hit on that one pretty well. Um, what about what, what do you what do you think is the the future of nuns in the U.S.? Um, to me, I'm worried about that personally, um, and I think it's it's culture. It's some of this culture that that we're fighting. But you know, I'm just seeing it even with my own children and and their children and. Uh, they, not that they're necessarily in that category, but you have anything to say about that trend? 
Um, that trend gets turned around when the family gets turned around. And there are grounds for hope. It is remarkable how just making common sense arguments can come as a shock to people, especially young people. And I find that in one-on-one -on -one conversations, there is a lot of common ground that they don't always know is there going into it. My sense is that they don't feel cared for in many cases. They don't think the boomers or whoever the stand-in authority figures may be believe them to be of consequence. And so part of what I try to do is establish first that I think they are of consequence, that every person is fought over and unique and that they need to see themselves that way and not see themselves as just one more replaceable part in some collective uh, identity politics consortium. We start with that. So you're really saying kind of be active in the world and be caring in the world, right? Very much so, because I think part of what is alienating the young is the sense that none of this matters. You know, they, they don't matter. Um, take climate change. Take extreme thought on climate change. There are people who have convinced themselves that they don't want children because they think it's bad for the planet. I have nothing against trying to be more green in all kinds of ways, but this is an extreme example of people giving up in the prime of life on some pretty important stuff. Now, do they believe this because they're self-deluding and they really don't want the hard work of marriage and family and they've convinced themselves that there's some kind of virtue in it? Maybe, but maybe it's also the case that they haven't been told that these kinds of decisions matter to other people, that they matter to their families and the future of their country. So again, I think we, we try to lead with the positive, which is genuinely positive, which is that they have inherited a stunted, crabbed anthropology that is wrong. It's the wrong description of human nature. And we need to start with the right one because then we'll see that we have all kinds of common ground. Um, d have I left out any questions that you would like to answer? Let me stop in there. You mentioned that today's despisers of Christianity yeah. like to go back to history and find examples of religious wars. And there are plenty of them. There are plenty of examples of Christians behaving badly. But I would point out that if we're talking about wars, that the greatest carnage in human history came about thanks to regimes that had purposefully disposed of God and theism. That is Nazism and communism, both of which decided that they could do what they could do because they were not answerable to anyone because God was dead. So if we're really going to have to wrestle in the mud about body counts, the Christians are going to come out on the winning side of this. 
it's not even close. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's really not even not, close. I mean, it's, it's just... Um, and it is something, is, Doug, I do say to young people who ask, who come from no religious background at all, how could anybody believe this kind of stuff? Sometimes I lead with, do you know what happens when they don't? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, these are... These are simple facts, and I, I don't know why we're not recognizing facts like the destruction of the family in America or, uh, you know, the, uh, the importance of biological gender, you know, to, to our existence or the destruction of atheism, you know, worldwide, that, that it leads, it always leads in a bad direction. Um, and, but, but we, what about, uh, I, th I think I asked you, let me ask you if I can ask this question before we tape it, but this is not in here either. Um, just the, uh, the direction of the Catholic Church now with Francis. Uh, I felt like it was on such a good direction with JP2 and Benedict, and not that it's not now, uh, I think there's some, he's, Francis doing some wonderful things, you know. It's just a different emphasis. Uh, where, where are you, where is the church headed, do you think? You know, new evangelism, let's say. That was what was coming out of the year 2000. I think there's a great danger in the Catholic Church behaving more like an NGO than like the repository of truth. And some of this danger is understandable. We live in an age of social media, but social media dumbs things down. And one thing I wonder about is whether the Catholic Church should be involved in it at all. That makes the Catholic Church just one more voice on Twitter. And if you believe this stuff, you believe that there's something much deeper going on than being one more voice on Twitter. So in a speech last summer to a Catholic group, I urged Catholic writers to get off and stay off Twitter. And if that's my advice to Catholic writers, what do you think it is to the hierarchy? That's, that's a really good answer. I haven't, haven't asked you about truth, but my last question is, Looking back on uh, when we, we did your first interview, 2013, uh, you know, we were coming out of the Great Recession, and uh, do you feel more or less optimistic or pessimistic now versus then about America and the things that, that are important to you? So it's a mixed bag, I think. I'll start with the positive. Ten years ago or so, when I first started talking about the importance of the sexual revolution to contemporary social and political problems, this argument fell on <laughs> deaf ears and also laughing voices. It was considered really beyond what respectable society would endure. This was not true in religious circles, of course, but uh, the book Adam and Eve After the Pill, which made that case, was published by Ignatius Press, a religious publishing house, Catholic publishing house, 
It is not the kind of thing you could have found in mainstream media anywhere. That has changed. Right now, in Germany, there is a book about the sexual revolution and its problems that is the talk of the, the country. The same is true, I'm told, in France, a different book. And in the United States, uh, a Washington Post journalist has written a, a new book, also much discussed, about what's going on with men and women and should we take a second look at this kind of thing. This is all very welcome. I mean, second looks at the sexual revolution are not things that were much discussed 10 years ago. So that's a great change. The Dodds case is of a piece with this, the idea that there might be rollback of some of this. Um, that's all to the good. What is not to the good is wondering how far the infiltration of woke has gone to erode American institutions that are fundamental. I'm talking about the military, talking obviously about the schools. To get back to the positive, and in the specific case of what's happened in Virginia, uh, it seems that the slumbering giant known as American parents <laughs> has awakened and decided that they never meant to cede control of their children's worldviews to a public school system uh, that is infected with lies. Um, and it's not only a public school system. We know from elite education that the same is true there. That might end up being the most consequential development of the last decade. And I, that might even be including President Trump and everything he did, President Biden and everything he does. If the parents of America with children in the school system can be that united about wanting a better set of substance in that system, that's very encouraging. And that might even have a trickle-up effect to the universities, because if the parents of America have awakened to what their kids are being taught in third grade, they might start taking a closer look at what they're being taught for $60,000 a year in elite universities. And all of this could have the effect of adding up to a reform movement of historical dimensions. So that is very encouraging. Yeah, I, I you know, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. This uh, the the contacts that we made at just North Carolina and um, at UVA, they really do want help. I mean, the faculty, mm -hmm. a lot of the faculty members uh, and and the students, they they want help and they almost don't know where to where to go. They're so glad that somebody outside their cultural system is there for them to listen and help if needed. It's, it's, uh, and, and you can tell when you, when you sit down with them in a booth that they're trying to figure out who you are and what you're like, but once they get past that, it's, they have a lot they really want to tell you. Mm -hmm. You know, they let their hair down and then they'll level with you about what's going on. And so, uh, I don't know. Well, I just want to thank you, um, I want to, it's 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 just been so fun. Oh, to, thank to do you, this. Doug.
That's Mary Eberstadt, Catholic writer of the Catholic Information Center and the Faith and Reason Institute. I'm May Lily Lee. Thanks for joining us for this conversation with Mary Eberstadt. Subscribe or follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts and visit us at praxiscircle.com.